eventually a lot of employers will need to adjust work hours for people uh, who have families. But I think it's persistence and, and, and really just don't give up. Um, don't give up your passion for um, money, um, but at the same time, put put family first because you'll never get that time back. Today on Dirty Linen, we are dipping back into our little series about people who have left hospitality in some form or another. And today our guest is George Lung. I last saw George at Mahaba where he made me brilliant cocktails with such flair and passion that I was kind of shocked to hear that he was in his last week in the role because he was moving on to more of a nine to five job as client manager for Victoria for Proof & Co, a drinks company. George, welcome to Dirty Linen. No, thanks for having me today. I'm really thrilled to talk to you. I've been trying to pin you down for a while. Um, but yeah, tell me about uh, a little bit about yourself. Like um, what's your role at the moment and what were you doing before? Yeah, so um, at the moment I'm working for Proof & Company, uh, which is a, a Singapore-based company. Um, so we focus on uh, delivering premium spirits to the on and off trade. Um, we have a team that looks after um, the creativity component so um, consulting for uh, restaurants, hotels, and bars. Um, so my, my role is to, I guess, deliver and, and exceed people's expectations in, in delivering premium spirits to, uh, to their business. Uh, so I look after brands like uh, Plantation Rum, uh, so under Mason Ferrand, uh, Diplomatico, and also uh, Never Never Distilling Co. Ah, yes. Hmm. That oyster, that, the the gin that's made with oyster shells. Yes, and you'll you'll be seeing that in society. Uh, well, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Um, okay, and what were you doing before this? Yeah, um, before this, I was a venue manager at Mahaba. Um, so we had only opened for about five weeks of trade before COVID hit, and uh, prior to that, I was working in um, Maha in the CBD. Uh, worked up all the way from a, a bar backing role to uh, bartending to bar management to restaurant management, like all the way from bottom to the top. And you know, it was a it was an amazing journey that I went through with uh, Shane and and the team there. Um, but uh, I guess things had to change after uh, the pandemic hit. Yeah, well, I mean, tell me about your, you know, the the life that you've got around your work, um, and what made it, what made you decide to make a change. Um, I mean, uh, hospitality. Um, I mean, for most for most people, it, it really isn't about how much you make. It's really about the people you work with, the product you work with, um, and also that pe- the people that come in on a on a daily basis. Um, so it was all about passion. It was all about you know the drive behind. Uh, delivering amazing product um you know uh having given a role to open such an amazing venue um you know i had had really big aspirations um at the time that i resigned uh shane actually offered me um a group beverage role um with the hopes that i would stay and and have my hours adjusted uh slightly better for the family as well but um after after i guess closing the restaurant um, for such a long time and, and going into, um, uh, going to the pandemic where, where you had to essentially pack boxes, um, for months and months, 
and uh, not being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel really, really hurt. And um, having having to homeschool my child um, and balancing work at the same time was really difficult, but also um, gave me an idea of what, what my family, what my son actually needed from me, um, which was time at home with him. Mm, that's a... Yeah, I mean, it sounds really simple when you say that, but I'm sure there was so much thought and, and anguish and, you know, difficulty around making those decisions because, you mean, you you pretty much, it was pretty much you and your son at that period, right? Yeah, so um, essentially uh, my wife works uh, overseas. Um, so she she's currently living in Guangzhou and um, her, her role is uh, similar to my role except she looks after... Uh, skincare and healthcare and and all and all that um, boutique items over there um, in China for a company and she she manages a team but um, usually prior to the pandemic she would live here I guess about six months every year and um, the pandemic really forced her to stay here for a year in the hopes that everything would change um, but at the start of twenty twenty one she she made a decision to to go back and to pursue her career and. And my son and I had to um, support her. So it left us in a position where uh, I had to adjust my hours to look after my son a bit more. Uh, I'm really, you know, uh, in, a, in a privileged position where my, my family do live very close to me. So they say so they uh, manage him when I'm at, when I'm at, uh, at work. But um, there's only so much uh, 70-year-old parents can do for a grandkid, you know. Um, so it, like, that decision was, you know, really hard for me. But um, but. I had to eventually put my family first before before my passion and aspirations. How old's your son? Uh, he's currently turning eight. He's turning eight. So um, I went back to working for Shane at Maha um, the year he was born. Um, you know, with the with I guess with that vision of of growing and and becoming um, eventually becoming that restaurant manager position that I was. Um, you know, but. In, in those seven years, I really didn't have much time um, with him because of the, I guess, the late nights and the weekends that I always had to work. Was there one, you know, was there a catalyst? Was there, you know, one day where you'd, I don't know, missed a milestone or where he was really sort of, you know, asking for more time with you? You know, was it, was there, a, did it reach some sort of crux or was it a slow creep of a realisation? Oh, it was pretty, it was pretty instant. Um, I think it was the homeschool component where, I mean, my, my wife was here at the time and, um, and she, she really wanted to focus on her work and she handed my son to me at like a hundred percent, like, <laughs> like, uh, I had to homeschool him every day that I was at home and on days that I wasn't working, um, you know, I had to, I had to feed him three, um, three times a day, I had to homeschool him, I had to look after his, uh, after our activities, I had I had to be there for him 100% of my time. Um, and you know, with with having to do um, the Maha at home, at Maha, um, on days that he was at homeschool, I had to do his homeschool days on my days off on, it could have been a, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, I also had to you know, manage his um, piano lessons on Zoom and it, it was really difficult. But um, I think over that period, I mean, it, it was it was pretty early on um, with the homeschooling that I came to a realization that he needed me more. 
um, that I guess that dependency that he had um, was never existent in my life um, because I never appreci- appreciated those little little things that he needed from me. But um, homeschool was 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 big. Uh, was very difficult. Um, you know, I I appreciate teachers more and more every day because um, the pain and suffering they have to go through. Um, but it was really hard, and um, and it came and it came down like a pile of bricks. Um, it was very emotional for me um, to want and be there for my child more and more every day. And you know, school's back, and hopefully next year it's going to be more stable. But did you? Did you not feel that once he was back at school and things could be in a bit more of a normal rhythm that you would be able to balance the hospo life with being a parent? Um, no. Um, for me, I guess it really it really changed the way I thought. Um, I mean, I wanted to be more um, present for him regardless of whether it was a dinner or weekends. Um, you know, having, having worked in hospitality for so long, uh, having worked in hospitality for the whole period of his life, um, you know, I had to make a lot of uh, sacrifices and compromise um, family time. So, you know, um, the amount of birthdays I've missed, the amount of festivals, uh, you know, um, the amount of um, special events that I've missed in, in his life, um, you know, all the milestones he would have reached. Um, I feel like um, at a point I've, I, I owe it to him that I need to be here more and more every day now. Wow, it's really it's such a journey. Hey, it's um it's really powerful. Yeah, it's very difficult. And um and you know, even talking about it now, I um I think back I sometimes think back and um and I ask myself whether I should have made this this decision earlier on in my life, but um, you know, um I guess having worked in hospitality, having worked in a management role, um I've kind of adapted myself to to really look forward to the future and really not um, not have too much grudge um, as to what I've done in the past, what I've missed out on. Um, so really looking forward and uh, really just being positive and, and giving my my son as much time as possible is, is is quintessential in my life at the moment. Oh my goodness, that's yeah, that's really poignant because I mean, look, there's so many ways to be a good parent. Um, and I suppose, you know, every, every family circumstance is different. I mean, you've got this feeling about how important the time is, but at the same time, your wife is, you know, far away. I mean, how do you sort of balance out that in your mind? Um, I mean, I, it was very hard for me. Um, but at the same time, I needed to be supportive, um, of what she wanted and needed, uh, in her life, which was, I guess, um, succession in her, in her career. Um, I mean, it's very difficult. It's, it's even more difficult for a, for a seven year old, uh, or eight year old child, um, you know, to miss his mother and only be able to talk to her over the, over, over the phone or over FaceTime. Um, but I had, I had to make that call and, and really be supportive and, and, and give her what she wanted. Um, I guess in the same situation, I don't want her to, um, come back to me, you know, two, three years down the track when, when the pandemic really slows down. Well, I mean, hopefully next year, but um, to, to really come back to me and regret that I, I, I made her stay or, um, you know, the decision that she made um, wasn't for her. Um, so I really wanted to be supportive. And, and even if she regrets it down the track that she'd missed years of um, 
my son's life. Um, you know, it, it was her choice and, and we were there for her to support her on, um, on this journey. Mm. I mean, I can't help but think of the gender roles uh, in your story. I mean, so often uh, it's it's women that, uh, you know, uh, push their own career aspirations down because they feel like, you know, they can't, you know, the family responsibilities are, are too way too heavily or loom too large or they feel like they can't leave the parenting to somebody else. Um, it's really interesting in your family that, you know, you're the one that's taken that step back to support your um, your wife's career. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like um, she also had to do that for the first, I guess, six, seven years of her life with, uh, with Aiden as well. Um, so again, I, I feel like I owe it to her, um, because I was never here. Um, I, I mean, I still feel like I was never here. Um, and she tells me that all the time that I was never here. Um, <laughs> it's, um, but you know, like, again, like hospitality for me was, was really about passion. Like, I mean, I, I, I did a lot of studies, um, at university. I did a uh, a chemistry degree, I did a business degree, but I didn't like any of them. Um, hospitality for me was in, in my blood. My dad was a chef. Um, you know, uh, he, he worked in hotels when we lived in Hong Kong. Um, and, you know, my, my, my parents have always driven us to, to, to be educated and, and to work in nine to five, but I went against it because I guess it was in, it was in my blood to work in hospitality, to be around people. Um, to be about to be around passionate people and, and, and food and wine and and um, you know and I know this is again a little bit off topic but you know my my, my youngest memories of myself uh, are always in kitchens uh, sitting on kitchen benches and, and and talking to chefs and talking to people in hotels and and um, and, and that's where I really wanted to be when I, when I was older you know at one point I wanted to be a chef like my dad but you know he talked me out of it. So I, um, so I went down, I guess, the front of house uh, direction and, and, you know, I love working with people and I love meeting, um, you know, really interesting people, you know. Um, I, I had clients who used to walk in dressed like, you know, the most average person who are CEO of companies um, that I've had really great conversations with. And, and, I, I know, and to this day, I really miss that. Um, but, you know, I had, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love my role. Um, you know, I still work around the hospitality scene. Um, I still get a lot of time to catch up with um, uh, with those um, old clients I had at Maha, and you know, I've had dinner with uh, a heap of them. Um, and you know, I get to spend a lot of time with my son. Um, but you know, I, I I did it because I loved it, and and I still love it, and I don't want to be away from it. Mm. It's um. I mean, that's so interesting that your dad's a chef and you grew up. I mean, he must have been doing those crazy hours, but you still, you had these memories of being with him in his work setting. So, I mean, that's really interesting as well. Yeah. So, um, dad, I guess it was very similar situation to me. We, um, my family moved to Melbourne when I was around seven, and before moving here, he always worked. Um, you know, in, in China when our family lived in Hong Kong and mum had to raise both my brother and myself. Um, so he was only at home, you know, maybe for a month every year. Oh, um, wow. And and sometimes he would take us to, to the hotel, to the restaurants and, and you know, meet his friends. And, and, and that was our life. So it was a very similar 
situation to myself and Hayden at the moment. Um, so yeah, he, I mean, I, we felt like my, my brother and I felt like he was never here for us. And, um, even when we moved to, um, Melbourne, um, to support the family to, I mean, the sacrifice he made was huge, you know, working in a hotel, getting, um, getting paid, uh, a very, very good salary while he was over overseas, um, to coming here and, and not speaking a word of English and, um, and having to work a, a more, a more, I guess, more entry level role. Um, he had to work multiple jobs to support our family and, and to pay for the mortgage for the house that he has now. Um, so the sacrifice he made was, was huge. And, um, you know, my brother and I, we look at it and, and as kids, we, we, we always thought he was never here for us. Um, but we look at it now, he gave us, you know, the, the, the best foundation, not, not for him, but for my family and for my, for, for our future families. Um, but yeah, the sacrifice he made, I remember when he was here, um, I mean, he's still here, but when he was working, he was, uh, he was doing, uh, 18 hour days. Um, you know, he had days where he had days, uh, where he only slept two, three hours a day and, and, and worked two jobs just to, to just to make financial, um, meets for us and, you know, and what we needed. Wow. It's so intense. I mean, is that part of the reason that you feel like you almost feel that you owe it to his sacrifice to make sure that you can structure your family life differently. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, you know, in a way, um, passion, passion can go, passion can go a long way in, in a, in a career, but, um, you know, once, once you, once you come to a realization where you're doing exactly what your dad did, um, and, um, you feel like you've, you weren't there for your child, um, you, you, you feel like you owe it to your child and and I don't want my son to have, I guess, those memories of me not being here for him, um, even though I wasn't here for much for those seven years. Um, you know, I want him to remember everything from, from you know, this year where I had um, and, and still have an ample amount of time with him. Um, you know, I make my way um, to be with him as much as I can um, you know, uh, during, during the... During the lockdown period, um, my my team leaders were very supportive and and, um, and and told me to take time off to be with him as much as I can, um, you know. So and and, and that kind of support um, never really really happened, and and I guess it's due to the scenario. You know, when you're in hospitality, you you can't really run a restaurant with a, a manager down, um, let alone a staff down, um, and you know and my team at the moment, they've been really, really supportive of our family um, to a point where, you know, when uh, end of this year, they've given us an extra day uh, off so that we can have um, a 10 day period off to spend with our family if we take three days of annual leave. Um, and again, you know, 10 days off in a row um, doesn't exist in the hospitality world unless you've taken, you know, a month off and, uh, and, and gone home. Um, so it's very different. Mm. I mean, there's got to be a way to run restaurants in a way that is a bit more family friendly, don't mm. you think? I mean, it can't just be that people have to choose between restaurant life and family life. Um, Can think, you see a way that it could be restructured or do you think that's just how it is? Um, oh, it's a hard one. Um, I think it's possible. Um, I mean... Shane was it going towards that direction of, you know, offering me, um, I guess that more 
closer to nine to five role with a couple nights and and um and don't get me wrong it was very enticing but um we were also mid-pandemic um not knowing what would happen um you know let alone a year down the track you know we, we wouldn't know we we didn't even know what was going on you know two days down down the track um you know with with uh, lockdown restrictions coming on and off um for me i couldn't take that risk uh, i had to i had to ensure um at the time that my my family was first and that i could be here as much as possible but it is possible um but it does require a venue or a group of venues to have a lot of people um and and i think when when a venue um operates on too many people um it gets a, a little bit messy because you always have to have a core team where you can depend on uh where where you you know they can be there for you when you need them um mm. so working in i guess in a way working in more senior roles um that that require you to be on the floor um really isn't family friendly <laughs> um especially when you've got your you know your biggest nights are always your friday saturdays um and even thursdays um just before this you know pandemic uh thursdays were were, were the new fridays um mm. but you know having to require your staff to work on evenings means you know three dinners at least um that you'll miss with your family uh, having to work on a saturday um and you know when you've done a big week you you want to rest up so your sundays are also wiped out with sleep um and you really don't have much time left with your family so um is it possible yes um but it's going to take a lot of work from i guess the, the the industry as a whole um but also staffing as a whole um you know it, there's going to be a, a need for a lot of, a lot of upskilling um to get to a position where um you know a manager can be absent um for an evening and it, the yeah. restaurant can still run but it's such a tricky one, isn't it, to institute now where everyone's understaffed. So it's almost like even though a lot of people have seen the pandemic as a really good uh, opportunity to change and to reframe the way people do things because, I mean, of course, you're you're not alone in, in having had this opportunity to spend more time at home or this, you know, this need to spend more time at home, but then you're like, hmm, hey, maybe I don't want to go back in and do all the nights and all those long hours. But it's actually almost like the most difficult time for businesses to make those changes because there just aren't the staff around. No, definitely. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, a couple couple months ago, we'll, we'll, we would have been all reading about the, the great resonation um, articles that were going around, but now I think hospitality is going through a massive reshuffle and it will again. Um, uh, I mean, going through November, December with minimal staff, um, people eventually will burn out and um, people in manage, upper management, um, are, you know, I needed to work more hours than ever. And, and these employees are really doing it because they're loyal to the industry. Um, but there's only so much and so far loyalty can get you um you know people will burn out um which is which is you know um really scary for the industry um because all these skilled staff um who are passionate will eventually want to move on and and it's at the moment it's really an, em an employee's market where 
where if they don't like it, if they don't like something, they can walk out and find a job tomorrow um, because there's so much demand in the industry and outside of the industry. I mean, what's the feeling that you're getting as you're going around restaurants, you know, in your wrapping role? What What's the energy like? It's everyone's desperate. Um, everyone is desperate. There's no other word to describe it. Um, I've been I've been offered jobs. I've been offered rock star shifts. I've been offered um, everything that I can and, and cannot can imagine. Um, it's really crazy out there. Um, it's really scary out there. Um, I've been, I've, I've had meetings with uh, a lot of managers who are not skilled to be managers. Um, and I've had a lot of um, meetings with uh, owners of venues who are, are begging for staff, um, you know, bartenders, uh, waiters, um, you know, it, it could be just your, um, you know, your, your, your host or your KP or, or a chef, anyone, like anyone that has hands, bring them along and we'll take, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty scary. Um, you know, to, to see huge venues operate on that minimal staff. Um, again, like I said, it, we're going to see, we're going to see a, a big shuffle. Uh, I feel in the next month, um, once the more, I guess the more skilled and dedicated hospitality team start feeling burnt out and, and, you know, when they do and it's again, it's not about the money. Like when they when they when they're doing sixty hours, seventy hours, when they're having one day off, um, that's when they're going to start feeling and thinking um, of other avenues to 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 explore. I mean, you you can't blame anyone for that, and it's such a vicious cycle because hospitality people are just called upon to give and give and give and give and you know create those experiences. And I think about you know sitting at that Maha Bar with you and what was in that drink, like that pumpkin cocktail. Uh, yeah. It was so good. And what just tell just tell us about it. Do you remember what was in it? Yeah, so it was um it was oh, it was a pumpkin puree. Uh, cocktail. So, so it was called a spice pumpkin uh, sour. So, it's, um, in the drink, it was uh, bourbon, um, maple syrup, um, a spice pumpkin syrup, and I cut it with some vodka to to reduce um, the I guess the state of fermentation. Um, a white uh, and some lemon juice, and and on top I had to sprinkle some. Uh, oh, it was. Um, was it nutmeg? No, no, it was a freeze dried pumpkin powder oh um, that's right yeah and and you know that drink was amazing but um as soon as i left the venue they had to take it off because i guess the process of producing the ingredients behind the drink was so tedious and and um you know but the, the drink was gorgeous and um again at, at this at a state where you don't have the skill or staff or or anything um to pr- yeah. produce that kind of quality um it's really hard so you you kind of a lot of venues and 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 not that they're doing the wrong thing, they're, they're really doing the right thing to 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 sustain uh, their quality uh, for their clients that are coming in and, you know, upstanding their expectation and, and trying to deliver. Um, they had to trim back a lot as well. So, yeah, it's really noticeable. I mean, and, you know, it's not just it's not, it's the creativity that goes into a drink like that, like even coming up with that as, as an idea and, you know, really being able to bounce off the menu or work with the chefs and just, you know, have something that really complements what's 
you know, the seasons and what's on the menu at the time. So it's the creativity and the conception. But then, yeah, as you say, it's all the work in producing those ingredients and ingredients and not just like and knowing when you need to make an adjustment because the pumpkin's extra sweet or whatever it is. It's like it's that sensitivity and responsiveness. But then I think also, George, it's that trust. You know, it's like I would not see that on a menu and go, oh, yeah, got to have that. But like to be sitting at the bar and you can tell me about it and I can see that sparkle in your eyes and just, you know, have that connection and that trust. I mean, that is so much a part of making somebody's hospitality experience. And you just think, you know, when staff are less experienced, they, you know, perhaps they're nervous or they're working extra hard or they're too busy to create those connections. It's just, you just do really, just those real like hospitality golden moments just kind of slip away a little bit, don't they? No, definitely. I mean, um, hospitality, I mean, regardless of what role you're in it's 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 about experience and it's about it's a bit i mean behind the bar especially it's very theatrical um and it's really the engagement piece that 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 gets the experience um across the line um you know uh, no one really goes out these days just for the food or the drinks um it's who you spoke to um you know whether whether the chef came out and delivered a dish or not um it's that extra, that tiny little bit of extra spark that you add in um, that really makes a difference in hospitality, and it's and it's it's not something you can teach someone. Um, it's something that has to has to spawn um, within them. Um, you know, they have to they have to work in the role. They have to understand the role. Um, I mean, be be taught about the processes, and once they build up their confidence. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it slowly molds uh, around their personalities. And, and you know, um, majority of the people in hospitality are, you know, extroverted um, because you're customer facing. Um, and, and, and it really, and it's really something that you build over time, um, you know, and, and like you said, like I, I was super proud of that drink. Um, you know, it, it was something I really wanted to display. Um, and, and it's, it's a shame um, the state of hospitality at the moment where it is lacking that and, and it's no one to blame um, because uh, each and every person, uh, they're trying to do what they, they, they're required to, but, um, you know, the, the managers don't have the time to support because, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to play catch up. They're trying to help, um, you know, your, your junior section waiters clear tables. They're, they're trying to run a drink out so there's no complaint. Um, you know, they're trying to you know, help the host on the door, um, you know, just again, talk to the guests and, and let them know there's a, a slight delay. Um, you know, the, obviously the, the customer expectation walking into any venue at the moment, uh, it's, it's still there, but um, venues aren't able to fulfill those expectations um, as much as they want to at the moment um, due, to, due to lack of skill. And, and again, it's a snowball effect because when you don't have when you don't have the time to, to train the staff, they don't feel confident. And when they don't feel confident, that passion you know, just disappears and, and they feel like they're just there to do a job. And in hospitality, you can't, you can't succeed. No venue can succeed um, with staff members that come in just to do the job. Um, they, it, a, a venue can only be successful um, you know, from from the leadership perspective, you know they they need to be passionate, and um, 
to the management, management, to the staff, they all need to, you know, have that same vision, that same goal, and that same passion um, to, to, to deliver and really exceed people's expectations. And, you know, for, for, for a place like Maha, um, that came from the top. And, you know, the reason why I stayed there for so long um, throughout my career was because I learned so much. Um, you know, I was guided along the way. And my, um, my memories of um, Shane when I, when I first started, you know, um, was clearing tables. He, he cleared tables um, when waiters couldn't keep up. Um, you know, and, and for me to see an employer do that, um, it meant, you know, he wasn't just here for the money. He was here because he was passionate. He, he cared about his venue. He cared about his staff. And, um, and you know, it's, at, the, at this current state, it really is very difficult for employers to, to, to show that passion um, and to deliver that passion uh, to their staff um, and have them transcend um, the same emotions back to the, to the guests. It's really difficult. Yeah, gosh, so so well explained. Um, George, I know that you and your son share a calendar. Can you tell me about something that happened recently that made you feel sure about the path that you'd chosen? Yeah, so um, essentially when his uh, mother decided to move overseas for work, I, I kept her number, you know, because she'll come back and, and she'll need a phone number. Um, so I gave it to my son with my old phone and... and um, and he's, you know, he's got a laptop and an iPad, so he's got everything that he needs to reach out to anyone um, if he needs anything. And I didn't, I never taught him how to use a calendar, um, but um, he's really into um, astrology at the moment. Um, and I guess uh, space is something really huge. like his science. I guess science and mathematics is his strength, and and he really loves, um, you know, eclipses like solar and and uh, lunar eclipse, and um, just a couple of weeks ago, he, he calendared me in for a solar eclipse, which is occurring next Saturday. And I, and I flicked through my uh, calendar, which, um, which we share as a family. And, um, and I had him, you know, calendared me in for, for it. And I, and I was shocked and, and well, first of all, I was shocked that he actually knew, knew how to use it. And, um, <laughs> but more, you know, more, and my heart melted when I saw that and, you know, and, and like, for me, it, it assured me I made the right decision, you know, because I can be there on that Saturday. Um, you know, for me, I, regardless of whatever's happening in the world, like the, um, you know, my house could burn down, but I would still stand next to him and, and, and be there for him. So, no, definitely it was a, it was a, a definitely assurance that I've made the right decision. Wow, George, it's really, really powerful, everything that you've said. Um yeah, I'm super grateful to you for being so open and, yeah, I'm really impressed with um, your thoughtful decision-making. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Um, I'm, <laughs> I know it sounds really weird, but I, I'm really thankful for um, for being in a position that uh, can, um, you know, that I can be with my family and, and I'm really thankful to um, DK and Dub Dub who are, who are my leaders and, and um, in proofing company? Um, I, I have I've never met my direct leader Dub Dub. He's up in Sydney. Um, he did my interview over Zoom, and to this day, um, five months in the role, almost six months in the role, I've never met him, never shook his hand, um, and 
you know, I really thank them for instilling the trust um, in me to to look after their brands and, and business uh, down here in Victoria. Um, you know, and and to I guess to those people who work in hospitality or uh, aspire to work in hospitality, um, don't don't give up. Um, I didn't uh, when I was young, um, and uh, I, I pursued. Um, what I wanted um, and I don't turn back to this day in regret because of, of all the people I've met um, of all the all the experiences I've been through um, and you just you just gotta hang tight um, I mean it's it's not just the hospitality industry it's it's the health um, healthcare sector um, it's the teachers you know you hang tight if you're passionate if it's what you want to do hang tight um, you know the the light at the end of the tunnel is um, is here. <laughs> you can you can see you can see uh, you know the the other side of the grass. Uh, it is greener. Um, you know, eventually um, the government, or I mean, hopefully the government, but eventually um, we're going to be in a situation where um, a lot of venues will close, unfortunately. But we are going to see a lot of uplift and um, upskilling in in the industry where it will make it easier. And, and like I said earlier, I think it, eventually a lot of employers will um, need to adjust um, work hours for people uh, who have families. Um, but I think it's persistence and, and, and really just don't give up. Um, don't give up your passion for um, money. Um, but at the same time, put family first because you'll never get that time back. Beautiful. Thanks so much, George. It's been so amazing to have you on the show. Really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I mean, this is the first podcast I've ever done. So, no, um, you smashed it, mate. <laughs> and, um, and hopefully it's not the last. It was really enjoyable. <laughs> awesome. Great. Take care. No, thanks. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.